Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Tuesday, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast before Mary Kay gets on an airplane and heads to Las Vegas to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Mary Kay, I, you know what? I want to start there because I, you know, I, I think there's probably some people out there listening that are wondering, like, you know, the Browns aren't in the Super Bowl, but you know, they, they've never been in the Super Bowl, but you go every year. So what what do you do when you go out there wherever it is whether it's in Vegas or Miami or wherever what what are you trying to accomplish when you go cover the Super Bowl what's it like you know i mostly go to cover Super Bowl week and uh in the past i have also had to be there for Hall of Fame voting which used to take place on the Saturday before the Super Bowl and everything was kept hush hush and they would you know at six o'clock, we would get done with the voting and then they would rush the guys over to the NFL honor show, which was on Saturday night at that time. Uh, but they changed all of that up. So um, now when I go out to the Super Bowl, uh, I don't have to worry so much about how I don't worry about Hall of Fame voting anymore. That's already done. Now, last year, it was very Joe Thomas centric when I was at the Super Bowl. It was very much about Joe. So, uh, you know, so that was fantastic because uh, once they announced uh, the Hall of Famers at the NFL Honors Show, I got to talk to Joe and Annie separately, but one-on-one uh, in the media room back there. And that's when I got the story of, um, you know, just the knock on the door and all the details about what that was like. And uh, it was really, really incredible to hear all of that. So, um, so that was, you know, very germane to last year, of course. But, uh, you know, this year, I will also be very interested in the NFL honors. And it's going to be a big part of my coverage because the Browns could have two winners in Kevin Stefanski as NFL coach of the year and Miles Garrett, uh, possibly getting his first NFL defensive player of the year honor. And it, and it really kind of seems like he has a good chance of getting that because uh, it's the same voters that there's, there are 50 AP voters throughout the country and it's the same voters that voted him uh, that he got the most first team all pro votes and it's the same 50. So because of that, I'm thinking that he's got a great chance to win his very first NFL defensive player of the year award that day. And that's very exciting for him and for Browns fans and for the Browns. So, um, you know, so I, you know, he's going to be out there. So I will have an opportunity to talk to him after the, um, you know, after he wins the award and, um, and I'm looking forward to that. And so that's a huge, huge deal. Now, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is planning on going. He's, he doesn't like the spotlight. He doesn't like the attention to be on himself. That's always how he has been. So I, I don't anticipate that, that he's going to be there, but you know, there'll be other sort of Brown centric people there. You know, two other Browns are, Browns related people are up for awards. Jim Schwartz for assistant coach of the year and Joe Flacco for comeback player of the year. So, you know, hopefully I can get a chance to talk to them, but with them, it might be a little bit more difficult because if you don't win, you're not coming back into the media room. So we're going to have to figure that out, but I, I, I do have a red carpet credential. So if they come onto the red carpet, I can talk to them there. Um, so that's very fun and exciting. The red carpet event is just like you would expect it to be. Uh, it's very Hollywood. It's like, you know, just like you're at the Oscars or something like that. It's um, it's very cool. Uh, so that should be fun. And then um, I will go to the media availabilities for the teams and look for any sort of 
Cleveland or Brown centric stories that I can find. So I will be asking about Ken Dorsey and I'll be asking about Miles Garrett and Kevin Stefanski and just trying to see if I can run into people at those availabilities. And then, you know, you kind of walk around Radio Row and they bring a lot of celebrities in the sports world around Radio Row. And it, you know, if you, you know, if you're aggressive enough and you really do kind of have to be aggressive to chase people down on Radio Row, how would you love to do that, Dan? Would you like to do that? <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't love to do it, but like, it's part of the job, right? It's just what you, it's what you have to do. Like, oh, I need to talk to this person. So I have to be kind of aggressive and maybe be a little impolite and just sort of insert myself into a conversation that I'm not supposed to be in. Um, it's just, yes. it's part of the gig. <laughs> it is. It is part of the gig. You have to, you know, you have to talk to people when you can. And most of them are pretty good about that. Most of them are pretty good about that. Now, some of them are being whisked around by marketing people and they are being paid by whoever uh, they are representing. And, and they definitely, you know, don't want you doing free media when, uh, you know, when they have all these things lined up with radio and stuff like that. But so it's, you know, there are so many things to, uh, you know, to do, to take in so many people to talk to. I'm looking forward to it. I'm only, I'm getting there tonight late. It's going to be Tuesday night late when I get there. So I'll try to get to some availabilities on Wednesday and Thursday. And then Thursday night is the NFL honor show. And then there's a few more availabilities on Friday and, um, and that's it. I'll just try to keep it all going. You know, for, for as much as certain things in the NFL have changed, like the Super Bowl is still the Super Bowl. Like it's still, it's the NFL showcase, right? And it, like the whole NFL world still kind of descends there. And like you said, a lot of it is, you know, like all these player interviews you hear, so many of them are, hey, I'm, you know, here for body armor or some random, yes. like, it's always something ra- like a car polish or something, right? Like it's yes. some of them are really strange. But um, it, the, the Super Bowl is still like, is still the NFL's showcase and still the, the place where everyone goes in the NFL every single year. So for as much as things like even the combine has changed, the senior bowl, all these things have changed. The Super Bowl is still the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, you want to talk about something that's changed, like the Pro Bowl has changed, right? I mean, the Pro Bowl, we were trying to think of, uh, I should, I should say my idea on here for what, what they should do with the Pro Bowl. I said, they should have some kind of a talent show and make it like the, you know, make it like the Grammys where, um, you know, if you don't have a talent yourself, then bring your friend Drake and, uh, you know, and get up there and have Drake, you know, like, Make it be like a fun vacation weekend where these guys get to uh, maybe meet some celebrities from the entertainment world or something like that and then have it be uh, a performance. Have it be a performance. And if you can get up there and do something, you know, yourself or, you know, sing a duet with somebody, go go for it. Uh, but if not, have it be some kind of, uh, I, I don't know, that's probably the dumbest idea in the world. But I was trying to think of what would I watch, you know? What I would probably watch that more so than I would watch dodgeball. I watched a few minutes of dodgeball the other day and I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so I can't do that anymore, Dan. I'm not going to do it. But I would watch, uh, you know, a dance contest or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. They need to fix it. They need to change it up. But you're right. The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. And I'm telling you what, Vegas. I've been to Vegas a number of times. Um, and for various reasons, never for a football game yet that's coming for us next year. And we're looking forward to that. Aren't we? 
we're already talking about the Vegas trip. I yeah, and I want to see that stadium. I know you're not going to stay for the game this year, but that state like we've seen SoFi Stadium, and I've heard Allegiant Stadium is like on that level. Like it's this incredible, incredible stadium. So I'm I'm excited about that too. I want I want to see I want to see that place. Yeah, and they've got the sphere out there now, which you know they're lighting it lighting it up like the helmets of the Chiefs and the 49ers. Vegas is such a boom town now. I mean, it is unbelievable. They're getting um, a baseball team. I can't remember which one. You probably know. They're supposed um, to be getting the A's, but I guess I yes. don't know. There's yeah, there's something weird going on with that. But they're supposed oh, to be getting some... the A's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have it carved out where that's all going to be and everything, right in the middle of town. And um, but every time you turn around, uh, there's a you know a new building, a new show, a new something going on out there. It's just enormous, and it's fun. I I enjoy it. I don't like the gambling. I don't do any of that. Um, but I like the shows, and I like the um, you know just the the poolside. You know, just that kind of stuff is fun during the day, and um, and. As people probably know by now, my my daughter is uh, an acrobat performing in uh, Cirque-type shows. And um, so, you know, we go to Vegas and see a lot of the Cirque du Soleil shows and stuff like that. But um, it's it's very fun. It's very, very fun. And I'm glad that there's a football team out there now. Why did it take so long, right? I mean, I think now that there is gambling, and again, we always must qualify it. People need to gamble responsibly. And I always worry about people with that. I worry, worry, worry about that. But when it's within reason and it's not an illness for someone, um, the marriage of the NFL and Las Vegas is just like a match made in heaven to me. It's just like, it's perfect. So, um, so yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'll, uh, I'll scope some things out for our trip out there. Uh, next fall. And now, Dan, we've got to be maybe going to Brazil as well. well. Okay. So I was going to transition to that. So let's, let's use this as our first question. Bill Murphy in Rocky river, Ohio has a theory. Uh, says, Hey, Mary Kay, Philly in Brazil thinks it's unlikely to be an NFC East opponent. Uh, three other opponents already in international games, the Jags, Falcons, and Panthers, would seem a one-third chance the Browns play there, the Browns, Steelers, or Packers. What are your thoughts? Now, I disagree with the division thing. I don't think they would hesitate to put a division game in Brazil. But, um, it, I mean, listen, we all we all were texting as soon as the news came out, and like, oh, man, are the Browns going to, you know, we just finished this crazy travel year. So now are we just going to add Brazil to to the mix? So what were your thoughts when you saw that, hey, this could be in play for the Friday night of opening weekend? I think it would be so exciting. I mean, it's, you know, I think it'd be really, really fun. And I was saying this on the radio this morning. Um, the Browns travel well. And how do we know that? Because we traveled all over the place with this football team in 2023, right? I mean, weren't we just always on the road with them? We felt like we lived in Los Angeles, right? I mean, right, Dan? I mean, we did have to remind you that you had to go home and that you had, you know, like major responsibilities and that you couldn't just go downstairs and get tacos every day and walk over to campus and get carded and ask to be asked if you were a student at the student union. I mean, that's just, it's not real life. I mean, it, it was fun, but it's not real life. Right. 
that well that sunday that sunday in la was like i i had kind of reached the end of my rope like i had been on the road long enough i was i was like done i was just ready to get home but also it sort of hit me like wait a second i have a family at home like i have i have kids i have things i need to do when i get home it was like i was just completely out of the loop for a week and yeah so there there was definitely that moment I know we we laughed so hard about so many things about uh, that trip, but we did feel like we, you know, moved out to Westwood Village and we lived there and we had our regular restaurants and coffee shops and taco places and, you know, places to walk and different things like that. You couldn't run at the time because you had a stress fracture. Um, So you had to kind of dial that back. But uh, so that was fun. I mean, we have amazing memories from the Greenbrier. I mean, so many funny stories from the Greenbrier. And, um, you know, and then we spent also a week in Philadelphia for the for the joint practices there. So we've got that. And then, uh, you know, so it was just a season of, of long trips. But I do think there was a lot of bonding that went, that went on, not just Browns player bonding, but media bonding. We had ourselves a time. Um, so yes, we're ready for we're ready for Brazil. We are ready for our big travel. Cause now this year we're probably going back to the Greenbrier, right? And then before you know it, we will be in Brazil for the opener perhaps. And I do think there probably is a much better chance than one in nine for some of those reasons our texture outlined there. Yeah. And, and just one other note. And, and I noted this in the, in the story I put up on the possibility of Brazil is the Browns are scheduled to play at Jacksonville too. And every year, Jacksonville has a home game in overseas, over in, in Europe. I think it's in London every year. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember yes. where they are. I don't remember where they are, what stadium they're in this year. But um, yeah, so there's two opportunities there for the Browns to, to get sent overseas. The one thing is the Browns are already short a home game. So I don't know. I don't know how the NFL factors that in when they make these decisions. Mm, um, that could, this yeah, that could be a factor. AFC only has eight. Yeah. But, I, I don't know. It'll, I certainly would not be shocked if the schedule comes out and the Browns are going to either Brazil or going over to London to play the Jaguars at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And also, it's like, get used to it because the game is going so global that before you know it, there are not going to be many seasons when you're not going somewhere out of this country for a game. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So make sure you have that passport renewed, Dan, get it, get all well, set. I, I got all that stuff in order back in 2017, uh, because the Browns played the Vikings in London. So I got all that stuff in order and then I ended up not going on, on the trip. So oh. I, I, I think it's still, you know, I'll, I'll double check everything, but I think that's, it's a passport 10 years, I think. So I think, yes. I'm, I think I'm good on that front. So yes. yeah, well, uh, Everything's in order on my end for once. <laughs> Good. I, I have to check mine. I don't know when mine expires, but I have to check mine too. But I think it would be fun to go to Brazil and make history. The first NFL game in Brazil. And the like I said, the Browns travel well. And not only that, they're a worldwide phenomenon. People all over the world love the Cleveland Browns. I think they would be a huge draw in Brazil. I, I think it would. I think it would just be dynamite and... Uh, I'm kind of hoping for it. So, yes, we're there. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be fun. I was trying to think, like, what other places I would want to go cover a Browns game. You know, obviously, 
you know, since, since I didn't do the London trip last time, that would be that would be cool. Any any place in Europe. What about a Tokyo game? That you know would what? Be, that would be that be it. Would be amazing. <laughs> I would go. I would be excited to go anywhere for a Browns game because I have had the opportunity to get around for this job and also just for some personal travel to places like Rome and Paris and London and Prague. That was a work trip. Um, Norway, that was an Olympics trip. And it's, it's fascinating to go to these other countries. It's, it's unbelievable. It really is. I love London. I mean, last time I was in London, my daughter did, my daughter Cameron did an internship. She was an Ohio State student and she did an internship in London for eight weeks over the summer. So we went over and visited her and it was a blast. It was just an absolute blast. You would love London. It's, it's phenomenal. And um, so, yeah, it would be so much fun to go to any of those places and to see different parts of the world, experience different cultures, experience different foods. Uh, it, it's, it's great. I can't wait. Bring it on. Well, my, my daughter's favorite place in the world is Ocean City, New Jersey. So we need to, the lobby footprint needs to expand a little bit. I think uh, we need to sort of expand those horizons a little. So, um, yeah, got to put that passport to good use here at some point. Okay, there you go. Let's, take a, let's take a break. And then we are going to get into some football questions here on the other side of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition. All right, let's talk to Sean Watson. This comes from Mavro in Seabus, one of our regulars. Hey Mary Kay, when will Deshaun Watson begin throwing? And when is the first mandatory minicamp? So we don't know the exact answer to that last question. Um, I, I was actually just looking this up. So the Browns offseason program can begin April 15th. You're looking at mid-May probably for OTAs and then the first or second week in June for mandatory minicamp. That's usually about um, about how it works. We got lucky last year. We got a week cut off of the uh, the spring program because of the Greenbrier. But, um, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think he mentioned something on, on his podcast once when he was going to start throwing. But do you expect him to be throwing at some point during the offseason program? You know, I was always told that he would be throwing in the spring. So yes, I would I would expect that he will be throwing during the offseason program uh, to a certain extent. It could be on a limited basis, and it will be a limited basis in the beginning, and he will ramp up to full throwing at some point. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that all goes. Maybe he'll even be out um, in Vegas, and I can ask him. So that would be good. But um, yeah, he will be throwing at some point in the spring, because that's how it was supposed to go. And uh, the last we heard he was from Andrew Barry is that he was, you know, maybe even a little ahead of schedule in his rehab. So he should be throwing then. And, uh, you know, and I, I think he, uh, by all accounts, should be 100% for the season and, and not having any issues. So let's hope for the Browns and for their fans that it goes just like that. So how careful do you think the Browns are going to be? Because I've always, um, you know, we've, we've seen it done both ways. I think in the spring where sometimes, you know, teams will go full steam ahead. Hey, a guy's ready. He's ready. Let's go. Um, I remember when Odell was here initially, I think he was coming off an injury and he sort of, they kind of slow played it with him. 
Um, he really wasn't coming to OTAs and, and then he came and practiced like one day in mandatory mini camp and shut it down the next two. Um, so, so sometimes you slow play it because, you know, look, obviously you get good work done in the spring, but you also, if a guy's coming back from a major injury, you don't want to risk. The goal is to get to July. You want to get to training camp and get to the season. That's when the really important stuff happens. So how careful do you think the Browns will be with Deshaun? Well, they'll be very careful, and it's really not just the Browns that will be involved in his rehab. He is very much following the protocol set forth by his medical team and his surgeon, Dr. Neil Elitrash, from Los Angeles. So that's why he's been out in Los Angeles rehabbing this whole time, so he can be with uh, that team. And again, I've studied this as much as I can. I've asked as many questions as I possibly can, and I can't find another NFL quarterback that has undergone surgery to repair a fractured glenoid bone. So it's not like I can call somebody up and find out how does this go? What is the protocol? Where is this going? Um, So, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how it goes. But, um, but from everything that I've heard and everything I understand, everything's on track. They will they will be cautious with him. Like you said, I mean, why not? The most important thing for him is to get to the season as healthy as possible. So, you know, maybe he won't even be playing in preseason games this year, or if he does, it, maybe it will be very minimal, but whatever the case may be, uh, you know, this is their $230 million investment. And that breaks out down to $46 million a year. And what we already know is that, 92 of those million dollars kind of went out the window because of his first two seasons, which were mostly lost seasons for him. So they've got to get some bang for their buck starting this year, and they will err on the side of caution. Okay, so kind of along those lines, this question comes from Mike Parker in Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, in hindsight, given Baker Mayfield's success, the limited contributions from Deshaun Watson, and the the exorbitant price the Browns paid in draft capital and guaranteed salary— would you make the same trade today? It's a fantastic question. And I have, you know, I have thought about that. And everybody's wondered about that, watching Baker go through what he went through. Now, the thing with Baker at the time when they uh, made the decisions that they made, uh, he was coming off of that shoulder injury himself. And he did not have a good season, in large part because of his own shoulder injury. And nobody knew where that was going. And then the Browns were going to have to make an enormous, enormous financial commitment to him as well. Uh, unless they were going to go down the franchising road, right? I mean, you could franchise them a couple of years and whatnot. Um, but it had gone south by that point uh, where it, it almost seemed like there was no coming back from the bad blood that had gone on between the Browns and Baker Mayfield and between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, mostly coming from Baker to Kevin. Um, so I don't think it's as simple as just saying, you know, should they have kept Baker? Because that would have been a lot more complicated than just not trading for Deshaun. You would have had to have done a number of things, including trying to get a meeting of the minds between Baker and Kevin. You would have had to hope that his shoulder was going to be fine the next season. And then you would have had to make some financial decisions and decide how much money you were going to pay him. So uh, there was so much more to it than that. And in the moment, um, finding an upgraded quarterback seemed absolutely like the right thing to do to me. 
Now, for it to be Deshaun, that came with a whole different set of circumstances, whole different set of circumstances. Of course, it would have been a no-brainer to be able to acquire a player like that if he didn't come with all the off-the-field baggage. So I think you have to weigh that in to the whole thing when you're trying to decide, you know, in retrospect, did this turn out to be a good move? Very complicated question to answer. And I don't know if we are going to know the answer to that until we see Deshaun play at least one full season. Yeah. And to like, to me, the discussion isn't Deshaun or Baker. I, it just, it just never felt like that was the either or like, I mean, like you said, there was so much, there was just too much with Baker. There's too much baggage. There's too much, which I know is a, a weird thing to say because they moved on to Deshaun, but um, you know, there was just too much there. It was going to be hard to come back from all of that. And look, Baker went to Carolina. It didn't work out there. He went to the Rams. They didn't, you know, got going a little, but they obviously weren't interested in keeping him. Um, and, it, you know, good for him for going to Tampa and having the season he had, but there's still limitations on who Baker Mayfield is. And I think we saw it in that playoff game. You know, he throws the interception when he has a chance to, to lead a potential game-tying drive. So there's, there's limitations on Baker. And um, I, I still think he's a guy that can play quarterback in this league and, and be a starter somewhere. I don't know if he's ever going to be a top tier starter, but um, I, I don't think it was ever about Deshaun or Baker. I think it was about who's going to be the guy who replaces Baker. And they ultimately chose Deshaun. And right now, look, they, they lost that trade two years in. It's not final. The verdict's not in. He could turn this around. The farther we get away from 2020, the harder it's going to be. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to say ultimately how this trade is going to play out. Right now, they're, they're certainly losing it by a lot. But we'll see. This year is going to go a long way to answering that question. Yeah, I mean, if Deshaun can come back this year and do great things for this football team, I mean, all you really need is one trip to the Super Bowl to make it worthwhile, in my opinion. If you get one trip to the Super Bowl out of Deshaun Watson, you know, that that's where that's the baseline. That's the baseline. If you can do that, then it had been all worth it. That's what I think. I mean, of course, you want to win a Super Bowl and you want to win multiple Super Bowls, but it's going to be so hard to get there in the Patrick Mahomes era. It's just going to, going to be incredibly difficult to do that. And rewinding there on Baker Mayfield for a second, I remember doing um, analysis on Baker and his fourth quarter comebacks, and there were so many interceptions on those fourth quarter two-minute drives at the end of the game. I mean, there were a lot of those. So when push came to shove back then, he didn't have what it took takes to close out a game and win those close games. And, you know, maybe he's overcoming that and maybe he will overcome that. Um, he had a great season and I don't begrudge him that. I'm actually happy for him that he had a great season. Um, you know, he put his heart and soul into the Cleveland Browns and, uh, you know, and he deserves to have success. So I hope he goes on to have a nice career. But um, they did what they had to do in the moment. And I don't have a huge problem with it from that standpoint, from moving on from him at that time. Yeah. And as far as the trade itself and what the Browns gave up, I mean, this is what you do when you think you're getting a franchise quarterback. Um, now, again, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that in the end, we might look back at this and say it was a terrible trade and it was a gigantic mistake. But in the moment, 
You know, because I, I was listening to a, another podcast and they were talking about how the commanders hired Cliff Kingsbury and what would it take for them to move up to number one and take Caleb Williams, right? If they traded with the Bears. And, you know, I'm just thinking like, if you believe Caleb Williams is that guy, then there isn't a cost that's too high. You, you, right. have, you have to go get him if you believe he's that guy. Now, it might not work, and we might, not, we might look back and say, man, that was a terrible trade. I can't believe they did that. But in the moment, if you believe a, a quarterback is that type of quarterback, it's going to cost a ton to go get him, but you have to do it if you want to get a quarterback of that caliber. If you, think, if you think he's that much better than any of your other options, you know, if Caleb is that much better than Drake May or whatever the commanders could get, you you have to do it. You have to give up what it takes to do it, and I, and that's part of what the Browns were thinking too. Absolutely, and I mean you have to swing for the fences if you're trying to get your football team into the Super Bowl. And they they knew at that time, of course, that they were in the Patrick Mahomes era, and that they were going to have to have a quarterback that could compete with and possibly beat. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and some of these other quarterbacks, and they did not feel like they had that player. So I really don't fault them for swinging for the fences from that standpoint. Um, but of course, you know, this one came with, uh, you know, just a, a bunch more, you know, difficult circumstances for people uh, to accept and deal with. And I know it's still hard for, for a lot of people Um you know, to deal with, with what's going on with, with Deshaun and having him here in Cleveland. And a lot of people don't want to see him succeed. I know that because I get plenty of emails and comments on Twitter and, you know, things like that to that effect. Um, but, you know, I do think, I still think that if the shoulder is okay, that, you know, he does give them a good chance to compete with the best of the best in the NFL and that it should get pretty exciting if he can stay healthy, but that's the whole key. Okay. Let's move on to this question. Uh, Mark in Silicon Valley. Hey, Mary Kay, who and how many on this current roster are salary cap casualties, even with a few restructures. And I, I don't know. I actually don't know if there's that many candidates for cap casualties on this team, because as you kind of look through things, I'm like, you know, I've been kind of going slowly through position by position with some of these contracts, like even the defensive line. Dalvin Tomlinson doesn't really start making a lot of money or at least count against the cap a lot this year. You know, it kind of starts in the next few years. They've sort of set up these contracts where they've got this window of like two or three years where they can afford a bunch of people. So I don't know if there's any major cap casualties on this team. There's some decisions they have to make. Um, as far as like tackle and things like that. But the only one I can think of, and I don't think he'd be a cap casualty is like Amari Cooper, but we've talked about him. That could be a, a restructure. It, it, am I missing somebody? Is there somebody that you kind of have circled that like, Hey, let's keep an eye on this guy. No, here, here's the deal. I think, um, first of all, they're going to have to do something with Nick Chubb's salary. Okay. So they have to do something there. That could be a restructure. That could be something where, it's an incentive-based contract. You know, we have to see how his rehab is going to go. Um, but they're going to do right by Nick Chubb. Andrew Berry has already told us this. In terms of Amari Cooper, if anything, if anything, that is a restructure to clear a little bit of cap space. But, and I've been meaning to write about this for a while, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I just, 
I mean, he's going to be on the team. It's just a matter of are they going to take that number down again as low as they can and give him some upfront bonus money. Um, then you move on to, you know, like a Jack Conklin. Can you do something with that? Because now you've got three bona fide starting tackles for two spots. Now, is there a world in which Jed moves to guard for a while or something? I mean, like, but there's no room at guard. I mean, like, what would you do? I don't like, I don't know what you would do in that case, but um, you know, maybe you try to, to trade. I, I, I'm not sure where that's all going to go yet. They've got three starting left tackles. I mean, starting tackles. The good thing about that is that Dewan is on his very, very inexpensive fourth round rookie contract. So he's like a freebie. It's almost like paying an undrafted rookie. It's so cheap. Um, so you don't really have to worry about it from that standpoint. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how that, that shakes out. But no, I don't think so. You'll have your usual, um, you know, maybe one or two guys that aren't back that you thought were going to be back. Um, but for the most part, they can keep everyone they want to keep. And all they really have to do is move a little bit of money around uh, in some cases to make it happen and restructure some deals. Yeah, I, I think, you know, really more what you're looking at is, again, that tackle situation. And that's more of a that's more of a vibes thing. Like, could you go to Dewan Jones and say, hey, thanks, but you've got to you got to sit out this year. <laughs> you know, you've got to be our swing tackle. You're not going to be a starter. And how would he respond to that? Um, same, you know, Jack and Jed are probably too expensive to not play. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they deal with that. That's a coach that's that's up for that's the new offensive line coaches uh, challenge right there is if the Browns come back with all three of those guys figuring out how to keep the odd man out happy. Um, so that's that's one to watch, but that's not a, necessarily a cap casualty. And then it's like, can you bring back Jordan Elliott or can you bring back some of these, you know, some of these, there's no real huge free agents right now, you know, especially because mm-hmm. they, they already re-signed Grant Delpit. So it's kind of just like, can you bring back some of these smaller, small, like Jordan Elliott had a really great year. So what he's, what's he going to cost? Probably not that much, but can you bring a guy like that back or do you draft somebody? It's just sort of little things like that. I think there's still a year or two away from being to the point where it's like, okay, now there's going to be some real decisions they have to make. Like, you know, what are they going to do with Greg Newsom's fifth year option? I'm assuming they'll pick it up, but then what is his mm-hmm. future in Cleveland? But we're still like a year or two away from them really having to, having to make some of those hard decisions. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll just pick up the fifth year options of Greg by um, May when they have to do that. And then, you know, that buys you some time, you know, or maybe, maybe they'll decide they want to go ahead and do the extensions, but I I don't know that you would need to do that. I mean, you can just pick up the fifth year and then it's guaranteed for the following year after that year. Um, So, I mean, it would be guaranteed for uh, 2025. And, and so, um, you know, these are the smartest capologists in the world that they have and they have a handle on this roster and they can do what they need to do, even though you've got a $64 million cap charge coming up for Deshaun. Now, once again, you know, you can throw $20 million at him if you need to in bonus money and bring that cap number down significantly. Uh, So there are ways to do this and they know them all and they're good at it. And, um, and, and they'll find a way to keep whoever they want and add whoever they want to. 
Well, and here's here's the good news for Greg. I just was looking this up. Um, he would get the second smallest, um, the second smallest fifth year uh, bonus or fifth year option uh, because he hasn't made any Pro Bowls. So over the cap projects has to be about twelve point one million dollars, which isn't bad for, for no. a corner. So uh, that, no. that that's you know I, I think they'll pick it up and then you figure it out after that. You you just kind of figure it out with the asset after that. Um, yes. So that again, I think we're still a little ways away. Now, speaking of contracts, uh, John from Fort Pierce, uh, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, if Kevin Stefanski wins coach of the year, do you think he gets a contract extension before next season and has enough collateral to survive if Deshaun Watson ends up being a bust? Yes, I think that he will get the extension. I think he will probably get coach of the year. Uh, because even though D'Amico Ryans and some others gave him a tremendous uh, run for the money, uh, the wild card victory by D'Amico and the Texans obviously didn't come until voting was done. So um, I, I definitely, I, I think Kevin's going to win. And I think he will get an extension. And I think he will have, uh, you know, enough collateral built up to survive if, um, if things don't work out with, with Deshaun. I really do. I think that, you know, they view him as their amazing leader of men, CEO coach. It's more than just the X's and O's with Kevin for them. They believe he's the right man to lead their franchise. And he has all the, you know, the cultural intangibles and all those things that they, they want in a head coach. And if it doesn't work out, with Deshaun for whatever reason, it would, you'd have to look into why it didn't work out with Deshaun. I mean, if the shoulder just isn't, if his arm isn't what it was, you know, that's certainly not going to be Kevin Stefanski's fault. Right. So I think you kind of have to, you know, just evaluate it for whatever happens uh, during the season and then go from there. But I don't think, I think Kevin's going to be here for a good, good, long, long time. I think the kids are going to, the boys are going to graduate from probably from St. Ignatius Maybe Juliet will end up going to Magnificat. You never know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, I think he's I think he's safe for a long time. Okay, uh, well that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll let Mary Kay go get on that plane to Las Vegas. All those questions came from Football Insider subscribers who are also our text subscribers. It's Cleveland.com/slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page to get the information on that and get signed up. Uh, I always tell you about Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk there. My dog is very excited about that. Um, <laughs> our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com on YouTube. Uh, to find us there. And uh, yeah, I already told you about Football Insider. So get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Mary Kay, uh, have a safe trip and I will talk to you uh, at some point this week from Vegas. Yes, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. 